A report from the epicenter and a look at the ERs. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I hope you are well. Yes, thank you. And how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. I was just saying to our uh, audience that we're going to have two guests today to talk about different aspects of this crisis and some of the different ways it's playing out to lawmakers uh, from different areas of the city who serve in different bodies. First coming up uh, in just a few minutes, Senator Jessica Ramos, who hails from Queens and whose district includes the kind of the epicenter of the epicenter, the area around uh, Elmhurst to Hospital. And also Queens is a borough with a very high rate of, uh, of infection. Uh, and then we'll be hearing at 530 from Carlina Rivera, who is the chairperson of the City Council's Committee on Hospitals. Obviously, a focus from the outset has been the ability of hospitals to uh, withstand the crisis and now questions of course being raised about um, preparations that were or were not made and uh, and kind of how the hospitals will wear through the the next phase of this uh, of this public health emergency indeed and when we talk with uh, Senator Jessica Ramos of Queens we obviously want to get her perspective on um, what's happening on the ground how she's monitoring things we also expect to hear from her about what I assume is an immense influx of people reaching out to her office and other elected officials in the area for help, both on the healthcare front, but then also on the larger social economic picture, people um, trying to figure out how to put food on the table, people trying to connect with unemployment benefits. Um, and there's been real problems with the state being so overwhelmed by calls and inquiries on on unemployment. Um, and so just a variety of things we want to hear from her about, but also um, she just was uh, one of the lawmakers who voted through the new state budget that was passed last week, and we want to get her perspective on that. And, of course, the state budget very much coincides with the coronavirus crisis, although there were elements in the budget um, that are that were a little bit more sort of business as usual. But definitely want to get her perspective on the state budget that passed. And then with City Council Member Rivera uh, of Manhattan, who chairs the hospitals committee, as you mentioned, you know, trying to get her perspective on how hospital flow and care is going because we've seen, as you said, with Elmhurst Hospital, these spikes in some places. Um, and we want to hear from her how she's sort of monitoring things, what she knows, what she doesn't know, what information she can get, can't get. Um, you know, it's pretty tricky for elected officials to even do oversight in these conditions. You know, the city council is, is in many ways shut down. So, um, she says, you know, she's been tweeting today a bit about working the phones, and I'm sure she's been doing that on other days. So it'll be interesting to hear um, from her on on that as well. And let's just remember where we are in this crisis on the city level. Uh, the latest numbers from this morning, 77, basically 78,000 confirmed cases and 3,602 deaths. A uh, number that is far, far above where we were last time we joined you last Wednesday. Uh, and there, obviously, the big question is, Ben, and the governor addressed this, and to a lesser degree, the mayor talked about it, whether we are, in fact, reaching that peak, whether we're reaching that plateau, which number indicates that that's coming. There's so many different stats to look at, from hospitalizations to ICU admissions to intubations to deaths, and the possibility that deaths is, is kind of a lagging indicator um, doesn't, I think, take any of the edge off the fact that we have seen a couple days of kind of huge, huge numbers of fatalities from from the crisis, which which obviously 
uh, underlie that even if we are moving to the peak or the plateau or whatever change is coming, um, we still have a very serious problem on our hands. Yeah, I think that's well said. The fatality numbers um, in the city and across the state are, are truly staggering um, at well over 3,000 and starting to approach 4,000 in New York City alone. Um, you know, I think what you said is important about there's been almost this dual track from the governor and the mayor and others over the last couple of days of some promising signs of hitting a plateau or a peak but then also these deeply, deeply upsetting and troubling fatality numbers. And, and we might see, as the governor said today, you know, we might see these fatality numbers continue to be large and shocking before they come down while the hospitalization rates and the ICU rates are already coming down. And hopefully that latter trend continues where we see fewer people um, admitted to the hospital with severe coronavirus symptoms and fewer people needing the um, ventilators and ICU beds, which has been the trend. And they've already, the governor and the mayor have both already readjusted some of their estimates. And, and, and there's some hopeful signs amid all the uh, other terrible news. The other thing that's worth saying is, you know, there has been a bit of federal help that's arrived with helping build out hospital capacity uh, the USNS Comfort coming in on the west side of Manhattan, the, the build out at the Javits Center and other facilities that are underway. Um, and then, you know, we also saw today the release of some new data from both the city and the state on coronavirus uh, infections and uh, confirmed, you know, cases and fatalities by race, race and ethnicity. And we're definitely going to want to talk to our guests today about about that. But both the mayor and the governor were addressing some of the disproportionality in those numbers. Um, it, it won't come as a surprise to anybody, of course, that people of color are bearing uh, a, a far higher burden than their numbers in the general population. Uh, and that's something that both the mayor and the governor addressed today. And we're coming to a point, and I think in the story where perhaps because the sense of uh, daily growth in the crisis is ebbing a bit, that people are starting to more actively ask questions about what happened and how it happened and how this uh, perhaps could have been handled better. Obviously, a big investigative piece in the New York to the, the mayor. Important aspect. Safe to say that we face some difficulty as we start uptick. In fact, when can you, can you uh, because of the, my cases, there's obviously been the concern in a lot of countries, China, South Korea, to settle rise and fall. Teen, there's going to be a lot of concern crystal ball as to ways of social distancing um, while obviously this virus is still going to be present in our in our community. You know, it's interesting when um, things were starting to really um, take off in terms of the spread of the virus in the states or at least the confirmed spread, um, you know, and you had people calling for quick and early measures on the federal level or in Washington state or California or New York or other places, you know, you had, you had experts who were saying things like, Yes, I want you to think I'm overreacting because if we if you think I'm overreacting right now, we are being proactive and preventative. And of course, we saw uh, it seems far too little of that in New York City and state and, and obviously on the federal level as well. Um, but now there's a sort of another chance at that. And that's where you have this question of um, and it's not even really time to look ahead yet, but, you know, you start to have the discussion around it. If you think the numbers are plateauing and the governor 
the governor was even talking about this well before the, the seeming plateau, um, which is when do you open things back up? When do you try to get schools together again? When do you try to get the economy going again? And there's going to really need to be a lot of patience where leaders are going to have to have that issue of people thinking that they're overdoing it, that they're being too cautious. And if people think they're being too cautious, they're probably right on the money. We are joined now on the line by State Senator Jessica Ramos, who's been uh, a guest with us before, certainly in, in better times than we're facing now. But uh, State Senator Ramos represents uh, the 13th State Senate District in Queens. Uh, Senator Ramos, thanks for coming back and joining us. Yeah, hey guys, thanks for having me again. So um, do you want to just say a little bit right now, today as we talk, sort of what, what you're what you're monitoring on a daily basis, what you're dealing with as an elected official in Queens, which is obviously um, your district and the, and the areas near it are really the epicenter within the epicenter here. Um, what is what is the sort of flow of information like and the, the work that you're trying to do on a daily basis right now uh, look like? Well, thanks for the question. Um, it's been quite dreary and difficult and the air feels heavy um, most of the time. I live two blocks away from Elmhurst Hospital, um, and I hear sirens all day. Um, helicopters often fly above to, to get footage if there's a long line. Um, because I represent low-income immigrant communities for the most part, Unfortunately, illegal conversions of apartments haven't allowed for the social distancing that is mandated, um, especially between roommates, perhaps. And um, it's been there's been an unfortunate lack of information um, in uh, languages that many of my neighbors speak uh, because English is not their dominant language. Um, it's why on my social media account, for example, we provide uh, translation for um, information on resources and services, like how to apply for unemployment in Mandarin and Bengali and Tibetan, in Spanish and in English. And we just think it's really important, um, given the economic catastrophe um, that has risen out of this pandemic too, that we're at a critical time to think about how it is that we pave uh, the way forward, because clearly the way we've been doing things hasn't been working. Senator, you're mentioning the language barriers brings to mind a, a topic that came up in today's Merrill News Conference, and it's a question that people have asked for a couple days, if, if not weeks now, which is the early indications of the racial ethnic impact of this crisis and indications that among the deaths that have been studied so far in New York City, Latinos and black New Yorkers are disproportionately represented. Uh, Latinos, the largest share, 32 percent of the deaths they're about 29%, sorry, 34% of the deaths, they're 29% of the city. What's your reaction to that? What do you think that reflects? Well, if I may provide some levity, um, uh, I would say that uh, it's, for Latinos, it's very hard to let go of family, and we love to kiss and hug each other hello, and I think it took many people a little while uh, to realize that we needed to stop uh, doing that for a little bit. Um, but again, I go back to how many people live in one apartment and how apartments are covered up because we're in such a big affordable housing crisis. Look, everything that 
um, all of the bad consequences that are coming out of this pandemic can be directly traced to how unprepared we are because, because we've been underfunding hospitals, right? How many hospitals have been closed in Queens in the past 20 years? It's astronomical. Of course we weren't going to have enough ACU beds. You know, we continue uh, to defund, um, uh, you know, other things that we are going to need in order to provide New Yorkers with the safety net that is um, necessary in order to rebuild our economy. I always say that workers are the backbone of the economy, and this pandemic proved it because they were the first to stay home, and that really did force um you know, our, our businesses to close and, you know, the local economy need to come to a grinding halt. And that's because we are the consumers, not the billionaires. And, um, you know, that's why I'm so disappointed in the budget, um, why I voted no on a few of the bills. Um, and, um, and and I'm really hoping that uh, we're canceling rent soon, especially as May uh, begins to approach um, and that we figure out what a worker bailout looks like um, because every single New Yorker deserves the opportunity to be able to thrive after this calamity. Uh, Senator, say, say a little uh, bit more. Oh, go ahead, Jared. I'm sorry, Ben. Uh, Senator, I want to just ask a follow-up on that. One uh, theory that Dr. Barbeau, the city's health commissioner, posited today about the unusually high percentage of Latinos among the victims of the virus so far is that the anti-immigrant atmosphere and especially all the uh, very confusing um, feints and moves around public charge that perhaps that had some impact on people choosing not to seek medical attention. Do you have any reason to believe that that is part of the picture of why no. it appears at this point there's a there's a bigger impact? Look, I, I, I was Dr. Barbo's colleague at City Hall. If she's saying that, then, you know, she must be right. I'm sharing anecdotally based on being on the ground here in my community, which is by no means necessarily a reflection of the Latino population in the entire city, um, because you know we know that there are also very diverse communities in other boroughs, especially Brooklyn and the Bronx. Um, but in my little smaller microcosm here, um, I to me it's been the combination of lack of beds, lack of space at home because uh, people live in such close quarters because it's so damn expensive, and it's the um, you know lack of language access and um, making sure that we were putting the protocols in necessary early when it counted the most. So say a little bit more about um, your frustrations with the new state budget. This was obviously a very trying period to get to a state budget. Um, legislators themselves were testing positive for the coronavirus. Um, there was a move to social distancing in the chambers and, you know, remote sessions or, you know, all sorts of different changes. Um, but the final product and where you got to tell us sort of your biggest, you, you mentioned one or two things, but some of the biggest takeaways for you and, and maybe some of them are positive, but some of the some of the sort of notables for you from the state budget that you expressed a lot of frustration about. Yeah, look, I, I mean, the worst part of this budget is that it not only says we have no money, it says that we don't want money because we didn't pass any revenue generators, which would have made sense at this critical time. I would have seen this pandemic as a clear opportunity because it just coincided with the budget season. We were able to start paving a way towards building more hospitals, which is something that we need. 
making sure or perhaps that people are more people are covered um even though what we should be doing is passing the new york health act um making sure that you know we are funding the things that are necessary in order to prevent um a, a disaster like this from happening again from from you know from any any other tragedy and, and then look at the end of the day to me voting no especially on bail i've been very outspoken about um, how I feel uh, about the bail system, which to me is unconstitutional. Um, you know, you're not supposed to be, uh, uh, you have to be proven guilty in order to be incarcerated in this country, um, as far as I have read in the Constitution. And um, something that's supposed to be respected and why the cash bail system does not work. Um, and during this pandemic, um, we shouldn't be sending more people to jail. We need people to stay at home with their loved ones in order to prevent um, more deaths. And so I, I found it short-sighted, which is why I voted no. I also voted no on that bill because there was uh, no increase in foundation aid, which many of us have been fighting for for a very long time. Um, and, I mean, you know, the very least that could have happened is that marijuana could have been legalized. Sports betting should be legalized in New York. Um, and I understand perhaps the, the lack of capacity, um, maybe to, to fine tune those really little details uh, before doing it. But we've been working on marijuana a long time. Let's just get it done and, and get the money we need to, to to have the New York we deserve. To what extent some of those some of those issues you mentioned? To what extent are they um, Governor Cuomo's sort of agenda and priorities? winning out the day and driving the agenda and to what extent are they you know sort of where you know your your senate democratic conference might be a bit more moderate than your politics and the politics of your district and and you know so the the conference overall is a little bit or or a good bit more moderate than where you're coming from is it how much of it was the governor sort of dominating things again this year or how much is it that um you know there's just sort of a a diversity within the the Senate Democrats. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Look, many of my colleagues were feeling a lot of pressure um, back home in their districts because of the misinformation um, in many outlets, or the sense they sensationalized many stories, even though statistically um, we weren't doing so bad. And it was really hard to be able to measure even whether the the reform had been successful or not because not enough time had passed. Um, that to me is, is just unscientific and, and, and not the way we should be producing public policy. Um, but, you know, the governor, of course, also, um, you know, imposed his, his views. And I think that, you know, I'm obviously not in the room, I'm not, um, but, um, you know, you saw how um, the rules changed once the COVID pandemic uh, began to take flight. Um, and, and even before then, the governor has a tremendous amount of power over the budget process and the budget outcome. So it's a combination of all of those things. And um, But I do want to say that we did pass a resolution allowing for remote voting. So I am really hoping that the legislature will continue to function um, and be able to um, uh, hopefully bail out workers, first and foremost, help our small businesses, help NYCHA, which was also underfunded in the budget. Um, it's just, it's too much. The people in New York deserve some respect. Senator, let's stay on that theme of the, the economic impact uh, of the, the coronavirus crisis. And I'm curious what you're seeing in your neighborhood in terms of businesses closing, 
constituents losing their jobs, and whether people are, if you are seeing that impact, whether it's your impression they're having, getting access to the benefits they need, whether it's unemployment insurance or some of the emergency benefits passed under the stimulus plan. Um, tell us about the economic picture and how well the safety net's responding to it. Yeah, no, I appreciate the question because as chair of the Labor Committee, of course, I've been thinking about unemployment a lot um, and how it is that we value work, but also just the actual day-to-day operations about the Department of Labor. And I've been in contact with Commissioner Reardon um, because we do need to um, uh, take take care of people as they're calling and emailing and applying for unemployment online. I have a barrage of tweets from New Yorkers telling me how hard it is to get into the Department of Labor. And this is a problem that can be solved with technology and with increased capacity at this critical time. But again, these are things that should be solved. Um, you know, that system needs to be updated um, and, and should be done. But, you know, unfortunately, there's an artificial 2% spending cap that actually means nothing and does not account for the actual needs of every New Yorker. And so we're here with a system of unemployment uh filing that does not work or is not working as well as it should be. Um, and, and I'm really hoping that the commissioner gets the resources she needs as soon as possible. She has been hiring some additional help, I know, um, in order to take care of all of these claims. Senator Ramos, um, and thanks for the time here. We've got a couple more questions for you. Um, I want to come back to where we started um, with the, the sort of public health uh, aspect of this crisis. Um, the The situation in Elmhurst Hospital was obviously extremely troubling. It wound up getting a lot of attention from the governor and the mayor, but that was after the fact that the hospital was overburdened. Um, Can you you give an assessment of what is happening with those two levels of government at the city and the state in terms of what you're seeing and the coordination, the communication, and what needs to be, um, you know, either improved or scrapped? Yeah, look. I, I, I can actually say because I've already lost a loved one, um, uh, I've, I've actually spent um, many hours at Elmhurst Hospital um, last week and I saw how overworked the staff is. I saw how uh, they're in need of, of more resources um, and uh, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I think, a crime that there, that Parkway Hospital isn't open anymore, that St. John's Hospital isn't open anymore. Look, my district doesn't have a hospital. I live two blocks away from Elmhurst, but Elmhurst is actually technically in Topi Stavisky's district. And we also depend on Mount Sinai in Astoria, Mike Gennaris' district. But it's unfair, especially to my people in, in East Elmhurst, who you know don't even have a doctor in the neighborhood. And that's actually factually true. Our public health system has been underfunded, neglected for decades, for, for my entire life. I have I have never seen, I, I don't know what it's like as an American and as a New Yorker to have a public health system that is responsive to my health needs. And, and I even, shouldn't have even, to say even that. Even given that, though, you know, given the current reality, the, the city and the state both seem pretty slow and maybe this this hospital situation was indicative of other slow reactions. Um, I mean, is that your impression too, or is, was it sort of unavoidable that there was going to perhaps be a rush like this somewhere? Some hospital is going to be overburdened, then a lesson would be learned. No, 
and, and unfortunately that lesson, I mean, it's better late than ever, but it's also in a way too late because so many people have lost family members. I mean, it, it, it's like a reluctance to really generate the revenue that we need or the, the, the funding that we need in order to have the services that we deserve. And why? Why is it that we have to live in this fake austerity in the in one of the richest states in this country, one of the richest countries in the world, where income inequality is the greatest, actually, and where we have more a more higher concentration of billionaires than anywhere on the planet. We have 112 billionaires in New York. Our small businesses are hurting. The average New Yorker is hurting. At what point is it that we ask them to pay up on their end of the social contract? Senator, uh, in the bit, about a minute and a half we have left, so the state budget is done. We are where we are in this crisis. The city budget is is still under under works, and obviously there's a question of additional federal support. What is one thing, or what are a couple things that your district needs now that government can do? to help ease the next stage of this crisis. What do you think are like the practical things if you could wave a wand, uh, you would get uh, city, state, feds, or all of them working together to, to, to do for your district? We need a worker bailout that includes undocumented immigrants. That's it. We need people to be able, if we're asking people to stay at home, they need to be able to afford rent, they need to be able to afford food, medicine, and everything else. The best thing that government could do right now is make sure that every person is taken care of. And unfortunately, we know that the, the stimulus that's coming from the federal government is, is really not enough, especially not for the cost of living in New York. It might go a long way in another state, but here, here, it's a tough change. So when are we going to step up? Because I'm ready. Well, Senator Jessica Ramos of Queens, thank you so much for joining us here in Max and Murphy. We'll have you back on shortly to uh, talk about whether uh, whether they deliver. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Hang in there. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Thanks.